2: Guys, being dudes. Yeah, we just gotta keep pounding, you know. Just keep. Pounding. Gotta keep pounding. Joe's a big fan of keep pounding these days. Just keep on. Pounding. You never want to stop pounding. You might want to revise that statement. It comes across a little wrong. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never stop pounding, kids. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> ah!
3: this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast i'm joe marino of ndt scouting and fan rag sports i'm joined by kyle krabs who's the founder and director of scouting with ndt scouting also with fan rag sports and we are your hosts here on a hump day wednesday the day before thanksgiving edition of the draft dudes podcast very excited to have a special guest with us today to you know Put him through the ringer here talking about his newly debuted top 40 rankings of prospects for the 2018 NFL Draft. Before we get into that and introduce our guest, Kyle, what's going on, man?
2: Hey, Joe. Uh, happy Hump Day. It's, um, it's, this is going to be a hard show because we're pouring one out today, and I, I want to pour one out for the end of the 2017 college football regular season. But I'm not going to do that. So uh, kind of a tease for what's coming up. have a lot on my mind in regards to pour one out. But we'll we'll tackle that when we get there, Joe.
3: Are you ready for Thanksgiving? Do you have your Thanksgiving pants ready? I mean, just
2: how are we feeling about that? So, yeah, pretty much anything with an elastic waistband counts, right? <laughs> as long as I got an elastic waistband, I'm good.
3: You're ready. You're ready for the day. Uh, As I alluded to, we have a guest with us today that is none other than Jonah Tolls, one of our National Scouts with NDT Scouting. And um, welcome. How are we doing, Jonah?
4: I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Um, Pretty excited to talk about my draft board, you guys. Also pretty nervous at the same time with all the questions you guys are going to have, but I'm ready to answer
3: them all, man. I think we're happy to hear that you're nervous. That was our intent to invite you on here. (laughs) And uh, and and so uh, before we rip him up for his draft board, make sure that you follow him on Twitter. Jonah is at Jonah Tolls NFL, and that's Jonah J O N A H Tolls, T U L S NFL. Follow the man on Twitter. He's got good takes, and um, you'll get to hear some of his uh, his stances on some of these players today as the show goes on. God, we are fast approaching this. 2018 NFL Draft. In fact, we are 140, excuse me, 154 days away from it, and our number of the day today is 154 is also the amount of games it took for Hall of Fame wide receiver Jerry Rice to eclipse 13,000 receiving yards for his career, and as you may have guessed, that is the fastest anyone's ever done it.
2: That is one heck of a pace. Um, 13,000 receiving yards. Jeez. Divided by 154 games. That's 84 yards a game. Average. <laughs> if if fantasy football was big back then. And I don't know the full fi- history. Of fantasy football. But if it was. I sure hope guys tagged Jerry on their uh, their dynasty roster. Because that's 154 games. That's. What nine seasons? Nine seasons of eighty-four yards a game average. That's I can incredible. tell you right now, my fantasy team sure could use something like that these days. <laughs> it's a well, sorry see, state of the, affairs.
3: The numbers segment has now led us to discussions about Jerry Rice and Emmitt Smith. Uh, and, and so, Jonah, I know that you're a Cowboys guy. Have you? Do you did you hear my my rant on Emmitt Smith and how I thought? his best ability was basically that he stayed healthy for a long time and ran behind uh, any lead offensive line that he didn't have any dominant physical traits. I mean, how, how do you take that?
4: Well, okay. So I did not hear that part of it, but I will say about Evan Smith is that one of the best things you can have as a player is reliability and durability. So your best value is that you can stay on the field and that's what he was able to do. It's just what you just said. So, had a great offensive line, which allowed him to stay more durable and allowed him to stay in front of the chains. I feel like he was so reliable as a runner that people remember him for those championship runs, then they'll remember some guy who didn't play on a championship team and who got injured throughout the bat. Say a guy like Bo Jackson, for example, he wasn't as lo- he wasn't as longevity, he the longevity that Emma Smith had, but he may have been just as talented. We just don't know. But it's because of that reliability and that durability that Emma Smith had that people remember him, and that's why he has the rushing yards record.
3: Now uh jonah if i'm not mistaken you have another number for us here on the show today oh
4: oh and a number number one 150,
3: number 154
4: yeah oh i got that man richard sherman drafted 154th overall uh the seahawks probably still a top five quarterback in the league today um he's still trucking on he's one of the first uh first members of the legion of boom that's uh quietly going away now but uh yeah, Richard Sherman, who who's really started the prototype for the long cornerback in the league. If you Think about it. Him and Brandon Browner, when they first started with the Seahawks. That was really that mold where you started seeing those tall cornerbacks start to emerge in the
2: first round. All right, time, yeah, out, he, time out, time out, time out. All right, Everybody all right, raise all right, your all right. glass. We got pouring out for Richard. Towards <laughs> Killies, oh. which crushed me because I I know there's a lot of people that get annoyed or irritated or don't like Richard Sherman, but I don't understand that sentiment because Richard... Man, anybody who gets in Tom, face, Tom Brady's face and asks him, You mad, bro? After kicking their butt on the field, I'm like, You're first ballot Hall of Famer, as far as I'm concerned. Like, that's outstanding. And, and Richard is a really intelligent dude. You could tell both when you listen to him speak and when you watch him on the field, like a really cerebral player. And he's always backed up whatever talk that he talks. You know He's always backed it up on the field. So I have a lot of respect for a guy like that as compared to some guys who like to chirp big and then don't show up on Sundays. So um, if you're going to let players grind your gears, don't let Richard be one of them. And I really, really hope we get a chance to see him come back and be fit. You know, Because as an aging corner, an Achilles injury, I mean, that's scary. I mean, we, yeah. we may never see peak Richard Sherman ever again. Yeah, peak Richard
3: Sherman is as good as it gets. And he's uh, he's made a lot of other people, a lot of money. Guys that didn't have any type of skill level to be selected, you know, in the top day two type area, these big long corners. Stanley that are, Jean-Baptiste. <laughs> yeah, that's the poster boy for it. Uh, McGill, but, uh, several le- Keith McGill. Yeah, Keith McGill. So uh, he, he's those guys owe something to Mr. Richard Sherman for making that prototype a thing. Kyle, it is uh, it is your baby here. Pour one out Wednesdays, and all three of us have a pour one out uh, to bring to the table. Let's let's let the guests go first, Jonah. Yes. Who is your pour one out today?
4: Okay, so it's my first time doing this, but I've been waiting to do this for a long time. So raise your glasses for Kansas football. Raise raise it for Kansas football. I mean, what? Not it's, it's just not even the performance. Not even the performance on Saturday. It's what Baker, they allowed Baker Mayfield. They could have shaken their hands at the coin toss. They could have done that. They could have spared themselves a lot of misery from this. They probably wouldn't have been on this segment if they just shook their hands at the coin toss. But no. So, what proceeded to happen after that was Baker Mayfield said, uh, look at the scoreboard, you're, you're, you're just a basketball team. So not only was that just absolutely painful. they said it right to their faces. But, the biggest thing, and was the biggest news story this morning from college football was that Baker Mayfield grabbed his jock and showed it right to the Kansas sidelines. It's just, it's just, oh, my goodness. Pull one out for Kansas football. Just, just had to watch that misery, Just them just getting embarrassed. I mean, everyone's talking about Baker Mayfield, how, you know, he went too far. For me, it was like Kansas football just let – just watch that right to their face. They have no pride. They see Baker Mayfield show them their jog, just grabs it right in front of them, pour one out for Kansas football. Just, I mean, unbelievable. I, I can't believe that. Yes. Baker Mayfield, I love it. I love Baker Mayfield, and I love what he did. But I'm just so pain, I, I feel I feel the misery for Kansas
2: football right now. I mean, there's nothing they can do about it either. I'm trying to think what what the thought process was of, we're 1-9. in nine. You know what's a really good <laughs> idea? Let's poke the bear and not shake Baker's hand at the coin toss. I mean, Baker literally cuckolded that entire team on Saturday. And they just laid down and took it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't feel sorry for Kansas at all. Uh, oh. Joe, Joe, you seem to be on a very anti uh, sympathy kick for anybody you <laughs> I'm interested to hear you do you feel sorry for Kansas football I feel sorry for
3: nobody I said it there last week I don't yep. remember <laughs> what we were talking about but it, when you're talking about football misery and uh, I am a Buffalo Bills fan who's amid a 17-year playoff drought our 18. head coach benched uh, just yeah call it 18. 18 soon uh, <laughs> Sean McDermott benches the starting quarterback and Nate Peterman goes out and throws five picks In the first half, I mean, that's, I don't feel sorry for anybody, dude. Nobody. Your football tears, go go share them with your cat because I'm not here for them, not here to help you. I I watched the Bills get raked all over the coals all day on Sunday afternoon on Twitter, and I just had to take it. Do you really think I feel bad because you have a bad football team at Kansas and you win the national championship in basketball sometimes?
2: 54 points. I'm glad you brought brought it up Joe Because I'm going to have everybody raise their glasses Because I got another poor one out That we need to talk about here on this show And thankfully for you Joe It's not the Buffalo Bills I need to pour one out For Will Greer Thrill Greer was my guy I I love watching his tape I think he brings a lot of positive traits To the table And that pesky middle finger On his right hand uh, made a left at Albuquerque on uh, on Saturday that thing the uh, first digit up to the first joint halfway up the finger everything 's all good. He dies for the pylon he quote unquote fumbles, which you know i didn 't think there was any definitive evidence to say for sure whether or not that ball did or did not break the plane before the ball is fumbled out of the uh, out of the goal line and called a touchback for Texas as Texas wins twenty eight fourteen over West Virginia and will gets up. And he looks at his finger, and he holds it up in the air. And then you kind of let it settle in that, oh. You know, it's the same thing as like what happened with Bradley Chubb earlier this year. Bradley Chubb's like at the bottom of the pile, and he holds his hand up, and his pinky finger's like 90 degrees bent sideways. And it's Will's throwing middle finger. And it's since been announced. Will, out for the remainder of the season. He's having surgery on that middle finger on his throwing hand. And all reports are they are not expecting Will to be able to come back for the bowl game either. So very unfortunate ending to what was a stellar season uh, for Will Greer at West Virginia. I believe Pro Football Focus had him logged as poised to break the record for deep yardage on passes 20 plus yards down the field. In their entire history of charting college football players. Of course, he finished the game, I think, 6-for-6 for for 50 yards, and that was it. So, um, Will didn't get a chance to break that record. Will did not get a chance to finish his season strong. We'll see what decision he makes. Apparently, some people feel pretty strongly he'll be back in Morgantown next year, which uh, I wouldn't hate. I get a chance to see him again next year, but we definitely need to pull one out for Thrill Greer because that was a very unceremonious ending to what was a very successful campaign for him.
3: All right, get the glasses back up, folks, and we are going to keep things in the Big 12. And I am pouring one out for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Mm. Uh, This is a team that I had a lot of hope for this year. Um, You had Mason Rudolph and James Washington come back for their senior year, somewhat of a surprise, uh, you paired them with Marcel Aitman, another big time wide receiver who was coming back from injury, and Jalen McCleskey, a pretty talented receiver, Justice Hill, the running back, a veteran offensive line, and you thought that this offense was going to outscore everybody. And their offense has played really well, but their defense is so bad that they cannot stop anybody, and Oklahoma State picked up their third loss of the season third in the conference to kansas state they've eliminated their chance to play in the big 12 championship game and uh now they're just gonna have to settle for a a nice bowl game hopefully they'll win it to end on a high note but uh for a team that i had a a chances uh, to think that they were like at least gonna play for the big 12 championship an outside shot at a playoff appearance they didn't even qualify three big 12 losses and um What I would say, you know, it's just a disappointing result for this team based on where I thought they could be this year. So on this Wednesday, I'm pouring one out for the Cowboys of Oklahoma State.
2: Yeah, Uh, speaking of unceremonious endings to campaigns, right? You know, this team felt like it was really primed to make a big push. And uh, barring any collapses, it looks like it will be TCU and um, Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game, maybe Oklahoma. Sneaks into the, the uh, college football playoffs So, none of that is on the table any longer for Oklahoma State. Uh, Jonah, we would like to give you the opportunity to uh, kind of band-aid this situation. Uh, you have your most recent top 40 big board available. Uh, went up this week at ndtscouting.com. We would like you right now to read through everybody, name, position school, 1 through 40, and then we will commence the firing squad, in which Joe and I will take turns peppering you with some questions in regards to this list over the course of the next 10 minutes or so, and then you will uh, limp along your merry way. How does that sound? Sounds good. Um, Give me a chance to defend myself on some of these. (laughs)
3: unlimited data on their network video streams at 480p small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds if you cancel balances due. well-qualified customers full price 720 plus tax finance agreements required netflix for two screens terms apply Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply.
4: All right. So let's let's just begin. Number one, I think it's pretty easy, pretty self-explanatory. Uh, number one, Saquon Barkley, running back in state. Um, nothing really else to say there. Uh, yeah, so we got number two. I think probably the cleanest prospect in this class I call I call my article a Marshall yonda ish. Uh, Quentin Nelson, guard from Notre Dame, just as reliable as they come in the interior the interior guard position. Um, Bradley Chubb is third. He is the edge defender from NC State. And then we got fourth. We got Connor Williams, the offensive tackle from Texas. Then fifth is my top quarterback, and that is Lamar Jackson from uh, Louisville. And then sixth, Minka Fitzpatrick. I have him listed as a safety. I'll explain why. Um, he is from Alabama. You got Darius Geis, the seventh overall prospect on my board. He is the running back from LSU, of course. Um, eighth, Mo Hurst, um, defensive tackle from Michigan. Ninth is Calvin Ridley, who from Alabama. And tenth is Roquan Smith, linebacker from Georgia. Eleventh is Quentin Meeks, probably my favorite player in the class, as some of you on Twitter may know, cornerback from Stanford. Uh, so, twelfth will be Arden Key. That's the edge defender from LSU. Um, has had some off-field stuff happen to him, um, personal issues, but he's really bounced back at the big Alabama game uh, two weeks ago. Thirteenth is a guy that showed his jock to Kansas. That is Baker Mayfield, uh, from, uh, Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. And Fourteenth uh, is a very interesting player named Jair Alexander. He's a quarterback from Louisville. He's been banged up all year, but I think he has Chris Harris Jr.-like qualities when healthy. Um, the fifteenth overall player on my board is Rashawn Evans. I think he is a lot closer to Reuben Foster than people like to believe. He is linebacker from Alabama, of course. And then 16th is one of the most one of the more undersized pass rushers in this class, and his name is Ogbanya Okoronkwo, the edge rusher from Oklahoma. Um, I'm not sure if many teams will move one of them off ball like on Reddick, but I do think he has some edge rusher qualities. Then the uh, 17th is Jordan Whitehead. I wrote a piece back on him a couple of weeks ago with him and Darwin James. I really like him. Think he's a top 20 talent. If he can keep his head on straight, he got suspended early in the year for off field issues, but he is a very very good safety prospect. 18th is probably my biggest riser on the board. That's Joshua Jackson, the cornerback from Iowa. Uh, recently moved wide receiver to cornerback. Um, he, he shows on the field. He's a wide receiver playing cornerback when the ball's in the air. He's an instant playmaker at in the next level. 19th is Orlando Brown Jr. This guy is 6'8", 340 pounds. But he does not move. He moves like a guy who's 6'5", 2'8". This guy is really good. This guy has mobility yeah, I can actually—he's actually a good, better pass than you may think for his size. Cullen Farrell is my twentieth overall prospect. My twentieth overall prospect. I think he's a lot like Carlos Dunlap. I think he's a guy who's ne- may never be that fifteen sack guy, but he'll always be reliable for you all three downs, run support, and getting an occasional pass rush to the next level. Josh Rosen, my twenty-first overall player, pretty polarizing player here. Um, in structure, he's awesome. But when the play breaks down, I wonder how effective he's going to be. He has an inconsistent deep ball, but he looked really good against USC with, that, with, with his deep ball against uh, Sam Donald in that quarterback matchup. Then 22nd is Durban James. Touched on him in my article. So when I talk about Jordan Whitehead. But I, he's a guy that's going to be limited in coverage, but he's a guy who's really good in the box. Um, he's everything that Jabril Peppers was last year. But I think he's, he's, he's bigger, he has more natural gifts, and he's a much better run player. Probably one of the better run players in this entire class. Really physical, really explosive. And 23rd is Deron Payne. I liked him more live than I went, than I went back and watched the tape. I was watching Rashawn Evans now, and I started watching Deron Payne more and more. And I became less enthusiastic because I thought he's a limited pass rusher, but he's still a very good run defender. Um, he's going to be able to stop the run next level instantly. Um, day one contributor in the run. Twenty five. I, no, I skipped on 24. It's Cortland Sutton, the Washington from SMU. Got a senior bowl invite. Hopefully he accepts. So I think it'll only do him good if he goes. But, um, yeah, just big guy. I think he's a lot like Josh Doxson, above the rim kind of receiver. 6'4", a big guy who will win at the catch point. 25th, one of my favorite guys in this class. Hercules Mata'afa. This guy's a hybrid defensive lineman who can who can rush off the edge and go from the interior. Excellent pass rusher. Um, one of the Pac-12's best defensive players, no doubt about it. 26. Denzel Ward really is a one-year wonder. Lost it over the last those guys. Marshawn Lattimore, Gary on Conley, it was Eli Apple the year before. Now it's Denzel Ward's turn. He's really had a big year. Even though in bad losses to in a bad loss to Iowa, he was really the bright spot. Sticky cover guy. Really undersized though. Keep that in mind. 27. Terrell Landry, the opposite. I mean, this guy did everything last year. Had all the production. Said production all the way back to his freshman year when he had that game against Florida State. Then. Um, this year, is is how it just happened for him. He returned to school, and he was hyped up as a top-ten guy, and now he's fallen back into that late first, early second-round conversation because he's been banged up all year and hasn't had that pass for productivity as he once had. Bryce Love is my 28th overall guy. Um, he, he's, I think he should be in the Heisman race. People are always saying Baker Miffle has it locked up. And that's because of Oklahoma's success. Mm-hmm. But Bryce, if you're, looking, if you're looking just at the numbers, Bryce Love has the best numbers in all of college football. This guy got to 1,000 yards quicker than anyone I've ever seen. This guy got a 1,000 yards before he had 100 carries. So I think Bryce Love is going to be the new NFL running back. You guys have like Alvin Kamara, who is starting to become a featured running back in the NFL today. That's what I think he could be. I think if the team could use him the way Sean Payton uses Kamara, I think he's going to be really special in the NFL. Braden Smith, 20th overall player. He could play guard or tackle, really versatile, um, provides that position flex. I think he's better at guard, though, and I think he's going to be a really reliable player at the next level. Um, he's from Auburn. Then Ronnie Harrison, the strong safety from Alabama, is my 30th overall player. Really reliable run defender. And this guy can go up and hit you. He's so explosive. Much better man coverage than he gets credit for. Then my 31st overall player is Chukwuma Okorafor. Um, Hope I didn't push that name, but he's the offensive tackle from Western Michigan. And just to tell you how good he is, he played left tackle while Taylor Moten played right tackle and Moten was drafted in the second round by the Panthers. So I think O'Courville has a chance to be drafted in the first round in this upcoming draft. Um, 32nd overall player, a guy that I really want to sneak in my top 30. He's a big reason why I expand this to a top 40. That's Isaiah Oliver, the cornerback from Colorado. I have some, some words about him that I really like. I really like to defend him. I think he's one of the smoothest cornerbacks in, uh, in this class. Um, he moves a lot like, like Kevin Johnson did as a prospect from Wake Forest. His great ball skills and he's a much better run defender than he gets credit for. James Washington, 30th overall player. We all know who he is. Um, Joe touched on him a little bit in his poor one, in his poor one out segment, but he's a great player after the catch. Great player at the catch point. This guy can really do it all. The problem is, is that he's a running back and a wide receiver. He's, he's a wide receiver and a running back's body. Um, you're gonna wonder how that transitions to the NFL. Um, Mike McGlinchey's my 34th overall prospect. That might be a little low for some people, but he, I think he's going to be a right tackle next level. I don't think he has the footwork or the athleticism to keep up those speed rushers off the edge and pass protection. But he is a dominant run blocker. Uh, him and Quentin Nelson on the same side is straight cheese for that Notre Dame offense. Um, Ronald Jones my is my 35th overall player. Uh, running back from USC. He's just really explosive. This guy can take it. This guy, a big misconception of Ronald Jones is that he's only a scat back. He can only take it outside the tackles. That's not true at all. He has a lot more power than people give him credit for. He has he's a lot better after contact than people give him credit for as well. And I like him as a pass protector. So I think he's going to be a three down back at the next level. But I don't think he has the upside of a guy like uh, Darius Gasser, Saquon Barkley. Vita Villa is my uh, 36 overall prospect. He's the defense tackle from Washington. You can play on a one technique or three technique. I think he can excel at either role. Um, I, I think you use his quickness to, as a pass rusher. I think he's going to be really nice in that role. I think he's going to be a first-round pick in, in the draft, but we'll see with the combine and see where he measures out with that. Tavares McFadden, probably my biggest dropper in this draft. I mean, he's dropped exponentially this season. I thought he would make that big step up. I have him as my top quarterback heading into the season, but he just hasn't looked like the same player at all. Um, if you look at him, he had one good game against Miami and Ahmad Richards, who probably the top receiver prospect next season. Uh, after that, he hasn't done anything. He's had bad games against Boston College, Syracuse, Louisville. Uh, he's, he's been beat all over the place. He's been just burned. I mean, he had a play against the Syracuse receiver, and he got beat over the top while Jair Alexander allowed one catch on 12 targets. So it just tells you that Tavares Confidence isn't on the levels of the other cornerback process right now. I still believe he has enormous potential, but he just isn't at the level where I thought he would be. Anthony Miller, 38th overall prospect. I really want to sneak him in there in top 30 again. That's another reason why I expanded us to top 40, because a guy like Anthony Miller, the wide receiver from Memphis. This guy is one of the best route runners in the draft, point blank. Um, this guy is going to great separation, both before and after the catch. He has great hands. I think he's one of the more solid receivers uh, in this draft class. Marcus Davenport, probably the biggest sleeper in this draft class. If you look at a guy like Derek Rivers from Youngstown State last year, Marcus Davenport from UT San Antonio, the edge rusher. This guy is a sack machine. This guy's guy's just a beast. And he just dominates every level of competition he played at. He's played so far. Uh, I think he's going to rise up draft worth exponentially because even though this is a deeper edge class than a lot of people believe it is, um, this guy has athletic tools that I don't think many of these guys have. And you guys got Okoronko, you guys got Clun Farrell. I think this guy is more naturally gifted than both of them. Uh, I would give Marcus Davenport the edge in terms of him being able to rise in that first round consideration in April, but uh, I say keep an eye on him for now. Duke four is my last player on the board, 40th overall player. I think he's a very similar player to Emmanuel Ogba, a guy who had a first round grade on, who again, pulled one out, uh, fractured his foot today, but okay, fra- fractured for Sunday, I mean. And then, but uh, yeah, Duke four again, this guy can rush off the edge. This guy is good pass rusher. He saw the Georgia Tech game; he had three sacks. Tackle for loss machine. Uh, the problem is that he's not really bendy off the edge. He's not the athletic specimen that you're looking for. But I think he's going to end up being a good strong set defensive then for a four three uh, scheme at next level.
3: Jonah did a nice job of uh, kind of giving us a an overview of the players that he did have on his top forty. But my first question for you, Jonah, is you know some of the players that aren't on this list. And so you know who were the toughest to leave out when you were trying to. Kind of sort through those last two or three spots. Who were the the most difficult omissions?
4: Oh man, yeah, definitely the two biggest ones. I think were the two most glaring ones. I'm, I I've gotten probably the most heat for are Christian Wilkins and Derek Naudy. So the two defensive tackle prospects who are big time players for their for big time schools, Forrest and Clemson, respectively. Um, yeah, so Christian Wilkins. I know a lot of people see a guy a top twenty. He's been consensus top twenty guy for the whole for like a whole year now, it seems like, since the, since the 2017 draft ended. Um, but I just don't see it with him. I don't see special with him. Um, I've a, I've had people ask me, why do you have Deron Payne higher at 23 or so, and when you don't have Christian Wilkins in your top 40 at all? It's because I feel like Deron Payne is the instant difference maker in the NFL in the run game. I don't feel like he has limited, any limited pass rush ability. Christian Wilkins has a little more upside, but I don't think he's as refined as people think he is. And I don't think he's an instant difference maker in the run game, either. So... I'm trying to wonder where you're going to slot him. Um, but I do acknowledge that he has the athleticism to get better. I just don't think he's there yet. Derek Nauti from Florida State, this guy is an elite run defender. Point blank. guy like Deron Payne. But I don't think he has the upside Payne does. I think Payne's a better athlete. I just don't think Nauti does enough in the pass game to affect to, to raise his value. But I will say, though, I have the 4 state defense tackle Nioti, over Wilkins right now. But both of them are very hard to leave out. And then... I got to tell you, a couple centers were really tough to leave out, too. Billy Price from Ohio State and Frank Ragnow from Arkansas. I wanted to put those guys in so bad, but, you know, you're going to have 40 guys. And, you know, they are right outside of it, and they're both really good interior players. Um, Ragnow right and Price were 1A, 1B at the center position for me. Both extremely good run blockers. Um, Price could use a little more pass protection. I don't think Ragnow right has the upside. Price does. But... I think they're both really rival and they're both going to be day two picks at the next level.
2: Jonah, you're talking my language here with a lot of these guys. Uh, Saquon, Quentin, Bradley Chubb, uh, where you've got Baker slotted, uh, Okoronku, where you've got him slotted, Cleveland, Farrell, Rosen, uh, Anthony Miller. So I guess my, my question for you is just kind of looking top to bottom. When you're slotting these guys, do you, at this point in the process, take into account a positional impact, or is this strictly a docket of 1 to 40 who you think are the best college football prospects going forward into the pros, regardless of anything other than an on-the-field product?
4: Yeah, I think it's the latter. I think it's the latter because if it was the former, which is the positional value and the positional impact, if I'm reading your question right, but uh, I would have Lamar Jackson number one. I would have I would have had, you know, Jared Goff number one back in twenty back in twenty sixteen. I would have had the quarterback's number one because the quarterback obviously is the best is the biggest positional impact. Where I have Connor Williams at the top. You know, he's number four right now. But yeah, I think it's just it's just right now for me it's just the docket. It's just the docket of who are the best cultural players right now and who I think are the better prospects, just regardless of position right now. Uh, guys like Saquon Barkley, I think he is clear cut the blue chip prospect in this class. Quentin Nelson if I had bet my career on one prospect, it would be Quentin Nelson. I don't think he's going to be – I just don't see any way he busts at the next level. He's too good to bust unless he gets an injury. Um, then guys like Mika Fitzpatrick, I saw a lot of safety, and that's mostly because I don't think he can play with his back to the ball and man coverage to be a cornerback at the next level, especially with all the way he – he's going to have to play press coverage at his size and someone's going to play on a cornerback. And I don't think he can play with his back to the ball as well as he could looking over his shoulder and finding the ball as he can with the ball playing forward. Um, that's why I have him at safety, but he's another safe, dominant player of this position. Um, they had guys like Calvin Ridley, Roquan Smith, and Quentin Meeks, I've been, those guys I've been slotting in 9, 10, 11, switching in and out. But those guys are all really good players. I think they're elite at their position at this point. But, again, some of those positions are not as, like, for example, Roquan Smith, off-ball linebacker. I doubt someone's going to take an off-ball linebacker top five, but and if this was a positional impact, he'd probably in the 20s because I know I can get an off ball linebacker in the third, fourth round. But I really do believe he's a special talent. I watched somebody's game I mean, against Auburn. You would think Roquan Smith had a bad game because, you know, Carryon Johnson ran wild on them. But Roquan Smith actually played really good. And it just sold me on Roquan Smith as a prospect when I watched the Auburn games. Even in the worst games Jordan had, Roquan Smith was still the bright spot. So it, this is definitely just a dock at the top 40 players, not positional impact. But, yeah, I mean, ranking top 40 is tough because you're going to leave out some of these best players. Like I talked about with Joe, Christian Wilkins, Derek Nauti, Billy Price, Frank Ragnow, I mean, Nick Chubb's not on the list. So it, even though it's a top 40 docket, it's still tough because you're going to end up leaving some players out that are talented that should be on there.
3: Uh, Jonah, so, yeah, I'm pretty mad about that Billy Price thing because I, I actually did my uh, scouting report for him in the last week, and he graded really well for me. And um, so we'll, we'll fight about that one. but. Um, Kind of looking over the quarterbacks, you've got Lamar Jackson, five, fifth overall, your first quarterback, your second quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield at 13, and then Josh Rosen uh, is on your board at 21. What is it about Lamar Jackson that has him, your number one quarterback right now? And uh, what do you want to see out of Rosen, you know, or or I guess... Maybe not what you want to see, because the season's kind of coming to an end here, but what is it about Rosen that's putting him, you know, towards the bottom of that top three, if you will?
4: Okay, so I'll start with Lamar Jackson, and I have one word for this. Upside. Now, I think Lamar Jackson's upside is enormous. This guy is, you know, as in the words of Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof. This guy, this guy... As unlimited talent. He's essentially his own check down. And with guys like Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, all these guys are so effective in today's NFL. Like, even like, okay, I mean th- th- these guys are such a weapon. They, even when they're not including their passes, they're not having a great game with their arm, they can still be effective because they can use their legs. On you know, third down, when there's no one open, coverage is perfect. They can get the first down. Lamar Jackson is such a weapon with his legs. But the biggest thing reason why he's jumping number five as opposed to he was kind of like a mid to late first runner last year on my for me on the surface he's a much improved pocket passer this year this guy's completing nfl throws with nfl ball placement with great velocity in his throws he's showcasing his arm strength this guy's just a complete quarterback prospect if he can stay healthy i acknowledge there's a long-term risk with him because you have the rg3 factor in this you get guys who you know who were great runners of college football but then they don't transit the NFL because they can't throw the ball. People are going to start comparing him to RG three or like Johnny Manziel. Well, I'll make the counter argument that I think Lamar Jackson, way he's done this year, is proven that he can dominate by throwing the ball too. So I think Lamar Jackson he has a long term risk because of his durability. You know, it's to be questioned if he's going to be able to stay as long in the NFL as he will with all the with all the hits he's going to take as a runner. But I do think he has the most upside to be one well, of the better quarterbacks in the league in a couple of years if he can harness all that talent and stay healthy. That's why he's my fifth overall prospect. Then going to Rosen, I think, um, okay, well, I'll, I'll touch on Baker Miffle real quick too since he's in the middle of the sandwich in there. I think Baker Miffle's really similar to Jackson in that way. Baker Miffle le- improved leaps and bounds of the pocket faster. As opposed to last year where I thought he was just he was only good when the play broke down. Now he's much better in structure. I think he's going to be able to make an impact next level, but I don't think he has the upside that a guy like Lamar Jackson does. Um, now, a guy like Josh Rosen, I think he is much better in structure. I think he's a lot like um, – so I'm not going to start comparing him to Connor Cook because that is just an awful comparison, but what happens is, is that you got quarterbacks who are really good in structure and, they, and they're really good when they have a clean pocket and they make NFL throws – Show up their arm strength, throw up their ball placement. They're really good. But when the play breaks down, are they much better? Now, Rosen's a little inconsistent in this area. He has some hit some flashes to where he'll roll pocket and make some Aaron rodgers s throws. I mean, this guy makes some great throws. Probably one of the best quarterbacks at their peak I've seen in a while. But his lows are bad. Is, I mean He'll throw some interceptions. He'll make some decisions that make you just shake your head. So, I'm still waiting on Rosen. I don't think he has... I, I think he has enormous talent. I think he has a big upside... But I'm just not sure I don't think he's as ready in the NFL as people think he is. I think we if he goes to a team with a bad offensive line and a bad supporting cast, I just don't think he's gonna be able to win as much as as I don't think he's gonna be able to win as much or have that Trump card that a guy like Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield would would. So I think he's gonna be dependent on the team he goes to, and a lot of these guys are. But that's why I have him twenty first and not in the top fifteen or top ten as some others do. I still like Josh Rose. I'm a fan of Josh Rose. People will want to misinterpret, and say, yeah, Josh Rosa 21st, twenty-first, you're not a fan. Well, I am a fan of Josh Rose I think he's a good player. I just think the hype is getting a little overblown with him as a guy who's a franchise quarterback next level. Um, I think he's I think he's gonna be good, I think but I think he's gonna be more dependent on his supporting cast as a guy like rather than a guy like Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson.
2: Jonah, talk to me a little bit about Minka and the reason why I wanna hear your perspective here is I'm interested that, that you slot him as a safety. It's the same spot that I put him, but I know you as a defensive back guy, you really like physical long guys that can play on the boundary and Minka's got some history there. So I guess I'm just interested to hear from you why you feel Minka's best slotting position-wise is a safety at the next level.
4: Yeah, so I touched on this earlier and uh, it's just the fact that, okay, Minka Patrick. He's played corner, played safety, he's played free safety, played strong safety, played, he's played slot, he's played boundary. He's played it all for Alabama. But if you've noticed Alabama cornerbacks, and this goes for Averett too, this goes for Cyrus Jones, this goes for all these Alabama cornerbacks that have been under Nick Saban, or even Marlon Humphrey for example. This is why I had Marlon Humphrey as a safety too, is that none of them know how to play with their back to the ball. They can't look over their shoulder and track it. And it just makes me upset because Mika Fitzpatrick has so much talent and he has so much more potential at corner than he would at safety just because of the positional value alone. But he, when he turns to look for the ball, he, lo- he either loses the man or loses ground. And it's because he can't find the ball looking over his shoulder as he would. He's not as comfortable. The comfortability of playing with their back to the ball is really important playing my courage. I, I even argue it's the second most important thing than patience. Behind, behind patience and behind the anxiety of playing press man coverage and off man coverage for that matter, too. So when you, when you play with the back of the ball, you have to be able to look over your shoulder and track it in the air. It's a much different thing. If you've played cornerback or you've played safety, you know how big of a transition it is to look over your shoulder as opposed to playing the ball forward and playing as a single-high safety. That's what Minkah Petrarch is best at. He's best at play, If you want to maximize his, his strengths, you play him a single-high, you play him in a split-safety scheme, you play him in the box where you can see the ball and you can attack it. He can plant and drive on it. It's not where he's, playing, where he's playing with his back to the ball and looking over his shoulder for it. He's planting and driving. That's where he's at his best, his closing speed. Um, he has great instincts. He has great football intelligence. I mean, as a safety, this guy can blow you up in the run game, or he has the range to go sideline to sideline and pick a, pick a pass off. And this is why he's a top 10 player on my board. I mean, if there would be no difference between him and Marlon Humphrey if I think that he didn't have the range or he didn't have the potential that he has now. This guy is a great it's Alabama's most important player on defense, I I'd even argue, too. So he does so many things for them. I think he could work his way in the nickel role, but still I still think he's that comfortable yet in back to ball coverage, as opposed to where he is when he's playing forward. But he's still a valuable prospect with his ability to play all three spots safety. He can play box, split safety scheme, or he can play single high. Very versatile player in the safety positions, but I do think he's limited in what he can do in main coverage.
3: Jonah, we talked a little bit about the defensive tackles earlier and that you didn't have Christian Wilkins and Derek Noddy, which I'm okay with. Uh, but it's interesting to me that at 36, you do have Vita Via out of Washington, a big, huge defensive tackle. What is it about Via that's giving him the nod and, and just kind of break him down? Because he's a guy that I haven't taken a ton of time to kind of get my own eye on, and there's been some people that have been asking for my takes on him, so I'm kind of curious where you stand on on this Washington defensive tackle.
4: Yeah, so I think the premise behind this is that he's – I think he offers more pass rush potential than either of those guys. I think – I don't think he's a better run defender than either of them, though, but in this NFL, I know it's not supposed to be positional value, but this is putting the traits on the board, how they're going to train the next level – how the NFL views pass rushers. Vita Villa is his pass rush ability is going to translate better than a guy like Wilkins or Nadia at the next level. And also, I think the versatility. I think where Wilkins, I think he can play the one technique or three technique, but I don't think he's going to be better. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to be better one or the other. And Naughty probably a nose tackle next level. I don't think he's going to, to play under tackle in the NFL. Via, I think he has the versatility to play. You know, I think he can play in an odd or even front, actually. But definitely as an under-tackle or nose-tackle on the next level, uh, one technique, three technique, in those positions. I think Vita Villa has the versatility, but he's also the pass rush potential and that pass rush ability he has with the interior quickness. That first step is really is just really good. Um, he uses his hands really well. Um, the run game, uh, for how big he is, I wish he would handle double teams better. But, again, his first step, if he's able to get that, he's already in the backfield. He's dominant in the backfield. Um yeah, that, that, that's, that's just the premise behind why I have via 36. Because if he didn't have that pass rush potential, I would have via out of the top 40 as well. But because he has a first step and he has the athleticism, he has a superior athleticism, both Yachty and Wilkins, I have him in the top 40 as opposed to those other guys.
2: All right, Jonah, this is our last one for you, and then we'll let you out of here. Uh, my my last question for you is looking over this list of 1 through 40. Uh, 90% of these guys resume to this point for 2017 is done it's set in stone but if you if you could pick one guy here based on either a conference championship a bowl game or a combination of the two is there anybody that you feel like could really have some flexibility to either a help or hurt themselves over the past couple of games in your eye based on what you've seen of them and their resume to this point in the season
4: Okay, so I I definitely got one. I'll probably think of one as I'm saying this, but number one, I think is Orlando Brown Jr. I'll give, I'll tell you why here. In a Second, has a real shot at making the playoffs. I think we all acknowledge that. And against these Big Twelve edge rushers, he's done a, he's done a pretty well job. He's doing a pretty good job. He'll go and probably the Big Twelve championship do good there. But then when he get to the playoffs, you're gonna start seeing some real top talent edge rushers there as well. If he can handle guys against Alabama, he can handle the guys. You know, from Miami or Clemson, he can handle Cleveland Farrell. I mean, that I think that's really going to skyrocket him up the boards. I mean, he's a six foot eight, two hundred forty has all the size, all the tools. Great, he's dominant run blocker. I mean, this guy just embarrasses guys. He exposes uh, edge defenders the way he does in the run game. But if he's able to hold pass protection guys like Cleveland Farrell and guy, the guys Alabama has, I mean, in the Big Twelve championship, this guy can skyrocket to top ten. You know, draft especially with the positional value that a left tackle has in the NFL.
2: Good stuff. Well, Jonah, again, we want everybody to know where they can follow you on social media. You've been doing an awesome job this season, one of our national scouts. Remind everybody, if they catch you on Twitter, where can they find your stuff?
4: Yeah, so, again, you can find myself at NDT Scouting. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be doing all this micro and macro stuff you know, all season long. You know, I got all this. You know, I got my scouting notes up. I got uh, my player profiles up. I'd like to you guys, really encourage you guys to see Quentin Meeks, my purple piece. He'll, i saw him in August. A lot of it was based on 2016 tape, but I really think he's done a lot of the same things in 2017. A lot of stuff, same same stuff applies. Um, I still think of him really highly as I said, a 11th overall player, top quarterback on board. So I really encourage you guys to check that out. All on NDT scouting. Um, yeah, and then find me on Twitter, Jonah Tuls NFL. J O N A H T U L S NFL. Um, I'm always tweeting out stuff there. As Joe Marino said, you know, I'm tweeting out good takes. I'm not gonna lie to y'all, I tweet out good takes NFL. Hot takes. Um, I'm writing some very hot stuff. Like very controversial stuff over the next couple next couple months or so. so I have some hot, hot hot takes on some prospects like Jordan Whitehead, um, Joshua Jackson, Big Rise, I'll be writing about him very soon. Yeah, so always just stay on the lookout for that kind of N T Scouting. So yeah, find stuff on Twitter, find me on NT Scouting. That's where I'm gonna be, my draft coverage for the whole season.
2: Yeah, Jonah, Jonah's got a really nice track record of defensive backs, too. You know, he's one of the first guys on William Jackson a couple of years ago who's played awesome for the Bengals in uh, his first season playing. And, um, you know, he, he was very early on Rasul Douglas from West Virginia as well. So uh, he's batting a 1,000 on these big corners. So I think we would all be wise to kind of pay attention to Quentin Meeks and uh, take some notes there. So, Jonah, we want to thank you for taking time. Uh, for sharing your board over at NUT Scouting and kind of letting us pepper you with some questions here. Uh, Be sure you tune in again on Friday. We're going into Rivalry Weekend, which there's some big matchups, including one uh, Ohio State-Michigan, the Iron Bowl, Auburn, and Alabama. Uh, We're going to have a lot of prospect uh, previews to break down for you guys, myself and Joe. Make sure you hit subscribe if you have not already to the Draft Dudes Podcast so you can stick with us every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I am Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marina and Jonah Tolls. This is the Draft News Podcast.